Hi there and welcome. My name is Dr. Lara Greenfield of laragreenfield.com and you are listening to Let's Talk Facilitation, where I offer practical solutions to everyday challenges in the college classroom. Specifically, I help introverted college educators develop unstoppable courage and transformative class facilitation skills in order to engage students equitably and advance social justice powerfully. Today, I'm talking about how to respond effectively to students during difficult discussions. I'm going to share five tips for when you as a facilitator, particularly one with comparably more privilege than your students, feel overwhelmed. I chose this topic today because even experienced educators who consider themselves decent discussion facilitators tell me they can get stressed out during difficult conversations and are always looking for ways to improve their skills. I can certainly relate to that stress. I shared in the last episode a story about a discussion I led about racism in a public speaking class early in my career when I was completely unprepared to support the group in navigating the conflict that emerged. You better believe I was nervous in anticipation of that class and felt sick to my stomach for days afterwards as I reflected in embarrassment and regret. People talk a lot about difficult discussions, but rarely do I hear any definitions of what that means. What makes a discussion difficult? Is it the topic? Is it the content? The students' responses? The conflicts? The facilitator's lack of abilities? Are certain discussions destined to be difficult? Or is it a shortcoming on the part of the students or the teacher that makes them so? My sense is the unspoken assumption is difficult discussions are those in which a class is talking about inequity, injustice, or oppression of some kind, and they are difficult because privileged students and facilitators often unknowingly perpetuate oppressive patterns in the discussion, which necessarily leads to conflict as the targeted students or facilitators are forced to defend themselves against harm. So the tips I'm going to offer are specifically related to responding effectively to students in productive ways that disrupt oppressive patterns and therefore relieve stress for you and more importantly, your students. The first tip for responding effectively to students in difficult discussions is to stay humble. Staying humble can relieve stress because doing so relieves the pressure of public performance or keeping up a facade, pretending to know something you don't. Plus, if you truly remain open, you learn a lot that can help you now and in future discussions. So here's a couple examples of things that you might say when a difficulty emerges that exemplifies being humble. You might say, wow, I didn't realize that. Thank you for sharing. Or, I apologize. I see now how I got that wrong. Next time I will do or say X, Y, Z instead. 
or I need help here. How do you all think we should proceed? Or I'm still learning about XYZ. Can anyone share their insights here? Or my interpretation is that tension is emerging because XYZ. Does anyone want to share a different view? My second strategy for responding effectively to students in difficult discussions is to acknowledge, affirm, and honor the vulnerability, hard truths, and risk-taking, particularly among marginalized speakers who choose to speak up. This can be stress-relieving because it takes the focus and pressure off of you and puts energy towards gratitude and the labor of marginalized students. Plus, it compels you to shift from any defensiveness you might be feeling to caregiving, appreciating, and supportive orientation. So here's a few examples of specific things you might say to acknowledge and honor the vulnerability shared by marginalized speakers who choose to speak up to name a conflict, to name a difficulty in your discussion. You might say, thank you so much for opening up about your experience. I recognize that it took courage to do so here. Would you like to say more? Or, I appreciate you speaking up to point that out. You're absolutely right. Let's all shift gears to make a plan to fix that now. Or, it is such a gift that you chose to educate us in that way. We all need to work to do better. Let's explore as a class how we will do that. The third strategy for responding effectively to students during difficult discussions is to be okay with so-called awkward silence. In other words, you want to give people time to think, to process, to come up with a plan to work through a conflict or digest a hard truth or make meaning from their discomfort. You don't have to rush in with an answer or with a response. It can be tempting during conflict or uncomfortable situations to fumble through a quick response and rush through it or gloss over it. Time and space are usually needed to meaningfully address a problem, so you don't have to put the pressure on yourself to just jump right in like that. Instead, taking the time to slow down can actually relieve your stress because you don't have to rush to a solution, and it relieves the stress of the students who are watching you fumble ineffectively to address the problem. Instead, you want to give yourself and your students time to figure it out. You can simply pause and allow the moment to be what it is. So for example, when a conflict emerges, you might pause and invite some quiet contemplation, or you might invite some free writing so students can gather their thoughts more tangibly, or you might make a statement such as this, wow, everyone, this is hard. I need a moment to collect my thoughts. And then just take that moment to think. Now, this doesn't mean that you ignore the problem and that you move on to something else and never address it. It just means you don't have to have the answer at the tips of your fingers at that very moment. Take a little bit of time, give it the attention it deserves to work through to resolve. The fourth strategy for responding effectively to difficult discussions 
is to be transparent. And what I mean by be transparent is say when you are struggling and that you want to get it right, but you aren't sure of the right approach. In other words, solicit ideas for how to resolve the conflict from the group. You don't have to figure out hard things on your own. Soliciting help from the group supports you and teaches them communication and problem-solving skills. So a few examples of how to be transparent and solicit the support from the group in resolving the conflict would be to say something like this. I'm observing a lot of tension building up, but I'm not sure why that's happening. Can we take a moment to talk about what's going on? Or you might say, I'm really uncomfortable with the direction this discussion is going because a lot of the comments are striking me as hurtful, but I'm having trouble figuring out how to address it in a helpful way. Does anyone have suggestions about how we should move forward? And finally, the fifth strategy for responding effectively to students during difficult discussions is to be courageous to cut off a student whose comments are harmful. I hear so often from facilitators who recognize that a student's words are causing harm in some way, but are worried about causing further harm to that student by cutting them off. Now, I want to discourage you from making a false equivalency here. The compounding harm of systemic oppression is not the same thing as any perceived hurt from a privileged student being asked to stop compounding that harm. In other words, the offending student will be okay. Please just ask them to stop. Now, your role as a facilitator is vital in supporting a group who can navigate productively through difficult discussions. The responsibility, however, doesn't fall solely on your shoulders. Your students share that responsibility in doing their part to create a positive group dynamic. I've put together a free PDF for you, which includes the text of a community guidelines paragraph that I wrote and have used on a number of my course syllabi to provide students with foundational guidance about how to participate constructively. If you would like an idea of how you might word your own such statement, feel free to copy mine in its entirety or revise and adapt it for your own needs. So head over to lauragreenfield.com forward slash three, that's the number three, to grab your copy of the PDF titled Sample Class Community Guidelines Statement. Thanks so much for listening in today, and until next time, happy teaching.